But I can feel there's a there's a intensity in this room this morning about the fight. I can feel it. People are tired from the fight. We're just done. You know, and what what is the words? What are the prophets been saying to us? And call leaders if there's anybody. Okay, I message you. If there's anybody that's got something, here's your chance to kind of add. Please, you must, you'll have to stop me. Because once I'm going, I'm going. You can just jump in. Okay, but what is, what have the prophets been saying? What have prophetic people been saying to us? Okay, Lana's word a couple of weeks ago. One more push. So what is that saying to us? Just hang out. Hold out. Come on, the birthing is here. And I think this lead up to Passover this year is pertinent. We probably said it every year over the last two years, but it's it, it probably the most important weekend on God's calendar. Yeah. And he's got orders. He's got times and festivals and seasons that he operates in and he works within those times over and over again for centuries and centuries he's worked within those times. Yeah. So what do we do? We have hope. We have expectation. Leading up to these times is what God wants to do through us and in us. And then last week, things got really closer to home for us with what Ilana had said about God spoke to her the Sunday before. Okay? And this unfortunately didn't get onto the recording of the podcast and stuff. It's always a challenge for me. If people miss Sunday, you kind of miss out what God's doing. So who remembers what Ilana said to us last week? 40 days. Okay? Get your house in order. You've got 40 days to get your house in order. Consecrate yourself. Is that a light word? Is that just a, yeah, okay, cool. We'll cruise up to, to Easter or Passover now. And just, God is preparing us. He's catching our attention. Can I switch over to this other mic? As of leaf. So I just want to, there we go. It's on. Sorry, I just want to walk around and use my hands. Freely with my hands. Okay? That's a pertinent word, folks. We can't just say, oh, well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good word. Okay? What do we do about it? Every single time the prophet spoke and the people did nothing, okay, God either worked over and above them or bypassed them. Okay? And I know there's only a few of us here this morning. But this is a serious word for our community. And I don't believe Ilana was saying it just for her own self. Okay? It, that she brewed on it for a week and, and through conversations with a couple of us, she kind of felt clarity. And she had, I had spoken to Anton, who hadn't really spoken to her, and he messaged me or I messaged the stuff. And she was messaging stuff that I'd said to Anton, and it was confirmation. God's saying, consecrate yourselves. Now, so if you think now, the, the pattern that God always used through the Old Testament, through his times with his people, every time he was going to move, what did he do? He gave his people an opportunity to repent. He gave them an opportunity to consecrate themselves, set things in order because I'm about to do a mighty work. Okay, what is that, that line? Is that, my arm is not too short. Okay, with an outstretched and mighty arm. That line you will see over and over through the Psalms, through the Chronicles and the Kings, all those things. He speaks about my mighty and outstretched arm, meaning I will redeem you. I will pull through for you. But you have to play your part. And, and I think this passivity of Christianity and this, the, the work of the enemy in the last two years has forced us just to go, 
Oh, I don't know. So that's why Pat, what he's doing there is so important. Guys, we go and just sit down and let it just happen on our watch. Yeah. And just let it kind of float by and go, oh, no. Yes. What are we doing about it? What position are we putting ourselves in? Get your house in order. You've got 40 days to get your house in order. Consecrate yourselves. There's a few things in that, but maybe we don't understand what certain things in that mean. Okay, when he speaks about getting our household leading up to Passover, what does it mean? Get your house in order. What, is, what does that even refer to? Okay? And you need to understand that because in Acts 10, when Peter goes to Cornelius, you know, he's sitting on the roof and he sees that vision and he's going to Cornelius, a Gentile's house. Okay, and it says, after he'd been there and they preached the gospel and they received and accepted Jesus, they prayed from the power of the Spirit, it says, his whole household was saved. The same with the prison warden. When they were in prison and the earthquake happened and the warden wanted to kind of kill himself because he said, oh no, they've escaped. No, no, we're all here. Don't worry. And they went with him. I can't remember what his name was. Never mind. Never mind. But they went to his house and it says his whole household was saved. Okay. So when God says, get your house in order. Okay. Yes, we live in a new covenant where it speaks about an internal understanding of we are the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when it speaks of your house and your household, it speaks of the home you live in. It speaks of the environment where you work, the influence of people that you might employ. It it speaks of a greater gathering of people around you that you have authority over in a household. Okay, so it's now taking responsibility. And God says, get your house. In order. When Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he's basically saying to the others in Joshua 24, look here, you can go and worship other gods. Okay, you can go and do that. You can worship that, you can do that. But as for me, I'm going to worship the God Almighty. As for me and my house, we're going to worship God. Okay, and it's, this is key. You can't walk in ignorantly now, okay? Okay, get house in order. Yeah, okay. And you do nothing different about it. And like, Honestly, I, I know we're about a good thing because the, the standard of the enemy has just raised over the last two weeks. Yeah. From that Tuesday night when uh, Kwaita passed away, where Naledi's off to hospital, people have got COVID, all these things are going wrong. I mean, our son playing with his friend on Sunday afternoon was playing with lime, cutting lime, fruit, lime, and then didn't know that there's a chemical reaction that if he puts his hands in the sun after that, on Monday, he was so sore, we didn't know what it was. I'm like, play your cricket match, but push through. Your son burned in your hands. Come on, man, toughen up a little bit. Plays in, he tops balls and he's carrying on there. Tuesday, his hands start welting with pain on his hands. So I'm like, we spraying anti-burn, all sorts of stuff. There was a chemical reaction on his hands. His hands are covered with this strap because his hands are, are so badly burned. First degree burns on his hands from lime. I'm like, really? Where does this stuff come from? And it's like just, an, just a constant thing to slow you down. Yes. Constant thing to stop. Then in the midst of all that, Kathleen was reaching for a dream, meaning, you know, reaching to the, the toilet because she was sick at the same time with this bug that's going around. Yeah. Like, all at the same time, like really? And we just know with other people, pressure. Anton's at home. He's at, he caught COVID this last weekend. Sure. And it's just been an onslaught. Mm. And I know it's an onslaught because it's relentless. Yeah. Just on and on. Just wants you to stop. Say, who are you? Who do you think you are? Don't try push this ground. Don't try and stand firm here. Yeah? Because we're getting our household in order. Not that it's been out of order, but there's a, there's a charge to us. Yeah. Get your house in order. Okay, now when we say household and in order, 
that whole consecrate yourselves. What, were they, what did the people do in consecration? They humbled themselves before God. Yeah. Okay. And then in our new covenant context today, we realize we battle not against flesh and blood, but rulers and principalities and authorities in the heavenly places. Yeah. I want to, I want, you must listen very carefully, folks. If you have opened doors in your house, not to let the wind in, in the spiritual realm, yeah. where you are messing around in certain contexts, you need to close that door. Yeah. Because your house is not in order. Okay? We have, we, have, we, have to, we have to take heed to this now. Because God's giving us an opportunity. Okay? He's giving us an opportunity before He moves. Before He breaks out. Before whatever it looks like. I don't know. Even if it's this Passover week. We'll, I'll keep believing it until I go to my grave. Okay? You might say, well, just tone down with the, the excitedness and the hope all the time. I promise you, I don't have reason to hope. There's so much just playing and the pressure. The, we keep saying the stakes are high. There's so much stakes. Like God, just that line that went through my head all night from 80 song. Lord, we need a change. Yeah. Lord, we need a change. We just need something to break, something to change. The, the heaviness of the spiritual atmosphere, the pressures, the things. We can just feel it. Yeah. Hold out. Yeah. Hold the line. Yeah. I'm about to move. Yeah. If it doesn't happen this year, it happens, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just think about being in slavery for 400 years. Oh, we'll get out. We'll get out. We'll get out. Yeah. This will change. This will change. Maybe in their generation it didn't change, but it did change. Yeah. Okay? So we, we've got to hold on. We've got to keep believing. We've got to keep trusting. So if you've got doors open with regards unforgiveness, yeah. bitterness, yeah. jealousy, all the stuff in your heart and life, you need to close the door. Yeah. Okay? If you've got sin and lingering guilt, Related to that sin, you need to confess. We have an opportunity now to come before the, the Lord and at the table of, of, of communion this morning. Yes. Don't bypass and just like, oh, it's like a fun little thing. Get your life before God right. Your conscience be clear before the Almighty God. Yeah. Okay? And some sinful habits where you're hiding, you think no one's noticed. That's a big one today, a big one today. People just carry on and go like, oh, well, no one's really noticed. And look, God's still using me and I'm still fine. Yeah. The gifts that you have are without sin, it yeah. says. The gifts are without reproach. Meaning you can still operate and do what you do and everyone thinks, oh, it's fine. He's like, must be fine. But you've got a hidden thing yeah. underneath yeah. it. It's playing out the Lord sees yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think that it's fine with people. Yeah. You get right before the Lord. Because yeah. he won't miss that. Yeah. He won't miss that. Get your house in order. I'm going to speak into this because I felt this, the, the rise of the occult and witchcraft in the last yeah. few weeks is on the rise. Yeah. Yeah. And prophetically, I've, I was chatting to people, they go, yes, there's a rise that's taking on. Okay? If you're dabbling in the occult, if you're dabbling in witchcraft, and you're dabbling in ancestral worship, close the door. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy will destroy you. You can dabble in that world, and you can think it's all fine, and you can play with ancestors, and you can carry on like that. God sees. And it's not a season where he's now just kind of, oh, it's fine. It's under grace. I can do these things. God is watching. And this is not an hour of what he's preparing us for is to sit back, lax, lazy and go, it's fine. I can dabble in each world. It means that Jesus' power is not enough for you. So you look to other sources. Woe to you. Woe to you. I want to speak into sexual sin. This door of... of, um, Fornication, pornography, adultery, 
all this stuff. We need to clean this up before the Lord. Yes. Okay? It's a heavy word here. Yeah? But it's not judgment. Because the judgment has been paid for. If you're feeling guilty, you need to get right. If you're feeling condemnation, you need to get right. God is speaking to us very clearly. Get your house in order. And he doesn't say tomorrow. He's like, you've got 40 days. It's kind of him. It's time. Because he knows what's coming. <laughs> he, he, knows, he, he knows what's coming. The enemy knows something is coming. He doesn't know what. He just knows when the Lord moves, my days are numbered. Get your house in order. Now, it's interesting when Samuel was called by the Lord. And uh, reading 1 Samuel 3, 9 to... Let me just get there quickly. 1 Samuel 3, 9. And this is where he was lying in his bed. And the Lord called him, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs to Eli. He's like, you call me? No, no, no. no, Go back and lie down. Okay. Samuel, Samuel. Goes three times. Eventually, Eli's like, you know what? This is the Lord calling you. Okay, and he went back to his bed and he, and he responded, Samuel, Samuel, and he responded, Yes, Lord. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Now, listen to what he says. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everybody who hears it will tingle. And on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house. From the beginning to the end. And I'll declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house should not be atoned for by the sacrifice of offering forever. Not even sacrifice was going to cover that. So now the whole reason I'm drawing on that passage is because he's referring to Eli's house. Eli's sons blasphemed the Lord. Eli not necessarily wasn't a bad person. But in his house, there was disorder. And God had noticed. And God said to Samuel, or Eli asked of Samuel, he said like, knowing, what, he said like, what did the Lord say? He's like, no, no, he just kind of said, well this, and he didn't want to tell him the truth. And eventually he told him exactly, and Eli knew. Okay, now we live in a new covenant. But what we've done with this new covenant, we just said, oh, it's fine. Under the grace of God. And we just carry on with sinful understanding around us. We don't close those doors. And I'm not saying what's going to happen to you is going to happen what God did to Eli. Eli was of the priesthood. Eli held the responsibility for the whole of Israel. And his household had squandered it. It's the same. I think Samuel's sons actually also went astray. You see, and God in his timing does these things. It's not a judgment on you. Now, oh, your kids are away with you. The judgment's on you. Part of this, yeah, bringing these things into this house is that we pray over those things and we worship and we declare God's goodness over them. And we're going to keep that for a while as we've just got some rhythm going with all that's been happening here. But that their hearts would be turned and humble themselves before the mighty Lord. But you take authority in the spiritual realm over your house. You don't just let it fly. And just, oh, it's just, it's okay. We'll get through. God's asking us not to be ignorant and to be awake in this hour in what he's saying. Okay? And the other one, as I said to you, Joshua 24, verse 5 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I know I'm preaching the choir here. We've chosen the Lord. But you need to to come before the Lord and ask him, are there doors open? 
Are there things that I need to clear up? Are there things that I need to take hold of and stand in an authority over your children and in the spirit to say, Lord, Lord I, I, you know, forgiveness for what's taken place here and just close the doors. Out of love for your children, out of love for parents, out of love for relational stuff, don't just bypass the season and think, oh, we'll just move on. Because what has God been saying? What are these last two years about? It's all about prepare, prepare, prepare. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Position yourself. Get ready for what God wants to do. Get ready for what God wants to pour out upon us. And I was just highlighting some of the things that have been, God's been saying to me over those two years. Chaff and wheat. It's going to be a separating. Okay? That's God's order that He's now working and aligning with those who choose and want to live for Him and want to not just normally carry on and build their own thing. There's been a separating. There's a new era that we've walked into. Okay? There's a time of reckoning. People, I'll tell you, the wicked are going to pay for what they've done. That is our hope. That is our joy that we have. The wicked that have ruled the nations. The wicked that have destroyed people's lives. Think of the trafficking disaster around our world. Human trafficking. Dark, dark, evil people. Controlled by demonic forces and strongholds over their lives. will pay. Whether it's in my lifetime or my children or their children's lifetime, they will pay. And when we understand the thing of reckoning is that from what blood you've shed, you will pay for the blood you shed. Okay? And this is the value of decision. This season, people have got to make a choice. Who they want to live for. And that first series of dreams that I had in October 2020, we had kind of nine dreams in a row. The first one was the rising water. And 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 4 says about judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Yeah. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. His people. He's looking at us first. Why he's giving us time and opportunity to respond? Because he can only work through a people that are holy. He can only work through a people that are pure. Because I've seen enough train smashes of people that are elevated and have risen up and risen up. And the enemy takes them out. So he doesn't take you out when you're insignificant. He waits. I've told you that before. If the one thing the enemy's got is patience. That's his only good quality. He waits. He waits. And then you elevate it and the world sees. Takes it out from underneath your feet. Because then it's more spectacular. And everyone go, ha, see. And we fall into the trap of judgment. How dare. Instead of, man, we never knew. We never knew that was your struggle. We never knew. Come on, come closer. Jurisprudence. Biblical jurisprudence. I hope you all read that booklet. Yeah. It's going to change everything about how we're going forward now. Because we're only going to keep walking to the stuff more and more. Okay. The final thing. And then we're going to walk into this. And anybody wants to add anything from the core leadership, please. Here's your gap. Okay. When you think of Israel's journey. Man, what an up and down journey. Up and down. And how many times it says there, you know, and, and so and so did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Very few times it says, and he did good in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. What happened when the leaders obeyed the voice of God, when they obeyed and listened to what the prophets were saying, and when they followed the Lord's precepts and walked in unity as a people, what happened? There was prosperity. They gained victory over their enemies. And they flourished as a people. Okay? So on the reverse of that, when they were disobedient... 
to what God was saying to the people and didn't listen to the prophets. And what they did was they aligned prophets who they wanted to hear and to prophesy what they wanted to hear. And then the true prophet came and said, don't, don't stay that stuff, yeah? The true prophet didn't always bring the happy, sweet little goosebump, goosebump words. Okay? In the reverse of they disobeyed what the Lord was saying. Okay? They worshipped other gods and sacrificed to Baal. And you think like, oh, we would never do that. But like, guys, we've had abortion happening for 40 years. And, and we've hardly fought it. And we've been okay with that. Mm, it's, it's, the time's up. And there's people in church that are okay with abortions. Okay? And the reverse of, of um, being obedient and walking in unity is that there was disunity. And there were rebellious people. So what happened when they were in that state? They were arrogant. And they lost their victories. And then they had to pay. Because, and then it was always, God, where were you? Well, I didn't tell you to go to battle. And you guys went on your own and you must pay your own price. Over and over and over again. Okay? They were defeated. They were destroyed. They lost land. They went into exile. And God was breaking. When they went into exile, what was God doing? He was breaking the wickedness off of them and humbling them. You will go to Babylon for 70 years. Okay? But that's... God, Daniel was a young boy. In, in exile. And he's speaking of a day to come. As a prophetic voice. God never lets sight of the thing that's ahead of us. The church, the ecclesia that's on the rise, it's always ahead. There's always good that's going to come. These lines will fall for us in pleasant places. There will be space. The real path, that last well that Isaac and Doug and stuff, space. There'll be room for us to operate. Not this cramped, pressurized feeling. Space. We can believe for that. Okay? And it was the cry of the Father that a small remnant would keep believing in Him. Okay, so what happened? Righteousness and justice arrived and God moved as well as those who knew their heart was what had honored God and what, and, and to what it was to live the blessed life and to know the favor of the Almighty God. Now, if we take that scenario of being obedient and disobedient before God and Israel's journey up, up and down and up and down and we put it onto the Ecclesia, the two point something billion people around the world and we ask the question, are we living in obedience to what God is saying us in this hour? Okay. Tough question to answer. Okay. Is everyone being obedient? Are we listening to what the prophets are saying? Have we started worshipping and sacrificing idols and other gods and sacrificing to Baal? Okay. Are we a rebellious people and in unity as the ecclesia around the world? The challenge is it's very hard to answer those in the positive. Yeah. It's, it can be quite disheartening. Because the reality is, people do live in disobedience and carry on and do their own thing. Even church leaders or whatever it's placed out, whatever it might be, the ecclesia have worshipped other gods. But you think, well, how did that happen? Like I said, abortion, really? We've been okay with that for 40 years. Yeah. That's worship to Baal. Yeah. That's sacrifice of children. Yeah. And you read in the Bible and you think, oh, well, sure, that's hectic. It's happened on our watch. And it's taken 40 years to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And there's a rebellion in the people of God. Particularly over this last two years. Look at the diversity or the, the polarization that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. The disunity is frightening. Yeah. 
But don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because there's always a people that know the truth. It's always the minority. And I, I want to confidently say, I'm happy to know that we are here in this community without worrying about all the hundreds of thousands of churches around South Africa. We can be a minority. And we know that if we stand before God, we know that we're in unity. We know that we're not rebellious. We know that we're not offering sacrifices to Baal. We know that we are believing what God is saying. We know that we want to obey the prophets, what they're saying to us. If we can get that right here, one day when we stand before God, and I stand of ownership of this community, I will know with full assurance that we try our very best. Because what God is saying to us now, we need to respond. Not just, yeah, like, come on, see what happens. He wants to move. <laughs> he wants to pour out to us. But it can only work through a people that are holy. Okay? And it might seem small and insignificant, yeah, and even less today because there's less people. Guys, we've got all of heaven backing us. What did I say last week about Elisha's servant? But like, but there's so many of them. Open your eyes and see. And he saw the chariots of horses and chariots of fire on the mountains. How many, I don't know how many people have spoken about angelic activity over this mountain range. Overlooking this area. There's more for us, man. Than against us. So lift up your eyes. Where does your help come from? What's it in Africa? Slan your uernari Look to the hills. Woo. He's here. He's with us. Okay. If we know we're being obedient, then we can be assured. We're not falling to the trap of what the enemy is trying to create and divide and put us down. I'm confident that we can be those people. And we continue on this journey. Because God will test us. I didn't want to share this, but then you even after that. Yes, need you need to, to share it. <laughs> so um, I've been reading a book and, um, and she quoted one part of um, 1 Corinthians 10 from the True Passion Translation. Um, and it really got to me this week. And so I actually looked up the whole verse and I sat there thinking I should share it. And then I was like, yeah. And then you started talking about Israel and I was like, okay, I really do. So um, it's in 1 Corinthians 10. It starts at verse 10 and it's talking about when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And it says, and we must not embrace their ways by complaining, grumbling with discontent, as many of them did, and were killed by the destroyer. All the tests they endured on their way through the wilderness are a symbolic picture, an example that provides us with a warning so that we can learn through what they experienced. For we live in a time when the purpose of all the ages past is now completing its goal within us. So beware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride becomes your downfall. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. And then the next part, which I really felt has been something that we, we, we felt for this 40 days, is titled Communion. My cherished friends, keep on running far away from idolatry. I know I am writing to thoughtful people, so carefully consider what I say. For when we pray for the blessing of the communion cup, isn't this our co-participation with the blood of Jesus? 
And the bread that we distribute, isn't this the bread of our co-participation with the body of Christ? For although we are many, we become one loaf of bread and one body as we feast together on one loaf. Amen. Awesome. Absolutely amazing. Weak in body, but strong in spirit. That's what we are. Um, So this week was a real challenge. But interestingly, my one friend, she had been praying for me, and she said she felt God say, I'm using this to actually protect you. And you're like, what? I've literally gone through hell, and you're using it to protect me. But that line of God uses all things. He uses all things. And that's the thing. Like you just said, the enemy wanted to do more to me and my family this week. Trust me. He wanted to go a few levels up, and God stopped it. Um, and I thought about Jonah when we're talking about the 40 days. That's where Jonah had to, he was disobedient. He landed up in a big fish. And essentially, his word to the, the people of Nineveh was that you have 40 days. Yeah. And then God's going to basically wipe you out. So it says in uh, Jonah 3, verse 4 to 5, Jonah began to go into the city after he's realized he's got to do this. Going on a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And God saw this. And you know, consecration, one of the definitions is the association with the sacred. Like it's not just, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to fast now, and I'm going to be very religious about how I do things. And you've got to understand that something very sacred is going on globally. Something very sacred is going on in our country. Something very sacred is going on in our community. And something very sacred is going on in your own personal life. And I felt God say to me when I sit in here, there's a, there's a few of you in this room, and you have felt the favor of God in your life recently. You felt doors have opened. And this is great. This is amazing. But I felt God give a warning. His favor is not an acceptance of your sin. God's favor on your life is not his acceptance of your sin. He will let you go. But if you do not close those doors, it will come tumbling down. And Sheldon asked me in the week, he said, for you, what does it mean when I say the stakes are high? And I just flippantly said, well, for me it means you've got to close every window and door. Even the window in the basement, you've got to close. And I was thinking, why? why? Basements don't have windows. When we were in the, in the States a couple of years ago, we stayed with some people and they put us in their basement. It's the most claustrophobic place to be. But yet, they actually did have a window. Couldn't, it was dark. You couldn't see anything out the window. It left no light in. And I felt God say... Many people have forgotten about that crack in the basement window in their lives. And they've just gone on. This is your 40 days. This is your time. Close the door. It's very easy. It's not a hard process. God is coming. If the people of Nineveh, they believe God. The people of the Bay City Church, we believe God. Amen. Songs of Solomon um, 2.15 Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vine, our vineyard that are in bloom. Those little foxes. 
I mean, we, we look at them and they are just like cute puppies, right? But they actually ruin the vine. And Jesus is like um, um, the vine, right? And we are the branches. And the purpose of the branches now is like, one, one of the purpose of the branches obviously is to create food for the whole thing and also to, to bring buds and to bring fruits. So what those little foxes have do now is like they run in those vineyards, right? And they destroy those buds. And if you destroy those buds, which means they're destroying those fruits. And I just thought that God um, is saying to us, we need to destroy those little foxes. Those little small things that you think they're harmless. Like, you just think, ah, just, you know, one of those things is harmless. But what happens, it grows bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit. And before we know it, it's something big that we need to deal with. I'm just giving an example, like um, a frog, right? If you are cooking a frog. <laughs> if it, like you put it in water, cold water, and then put it on the stove, right? It's cold, so it will just be comfortable. It doesn't escape the pot, and you turn on the heat, it will just stay there, bit by bit, bit by bit. I haven't cooked a frog. It's just a process. <laughs> but as you increase the temperature, what it does is just adapt, adapt, and it doesn't escape and realize that, no, actually, I'm in the process of dying here. Yes. And by the time it realizes it, it is already dead, like the temperature has already killed it. And that's also same applies with us as well. As we entertain those small things, those small sins, those small habits, yeah. those you know, things, systems that we always do, and we think it's small, bit by bit, it just grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And I just felt like as children were speaking, as all, like, um, I just said the, the, the word leash, right? So as, as we continue probably like in this process of just keeping the small foxes, small habits and all that, we'll be sort of like on a leash. You know, the devil just like, okay, mm. you, can, you can graze here, you can move, and you just lease uh, the cable a little bit, little yeah. by little, little bit, and you think you're free, yeah. and you're actually busy roaming around. But actually in due time, when he wants to come to collect, yeah. then you just pull back that, that leash. And you realize that actually I wasn't free or just keeping, yes, it's on my neck. It's not hindering me. I can still graze. I can still roam around. But he's just waiting for that moment. He's just waiting for that moment. And the thing also with the leash, right, um, it has a length to a, certain, to, to a certain length. And God has called us to greater things. Our eyes have never seen and our ears have never heard, right? But now, because we are on that leash, we entertaining that leash on our neck, we can only reach this yeah. far. Yeah. And the, the devil knows that. He knows your true potential. He knows what is inside of you. And he tries by all means to keep that leash. What you just need to do, we need to take off that leash. We need to take off, take out those, you know, like the Bible talks about that. Um, little folks, he said, round them up. Round them up. Like rounding them up is actually putting them together and destroy them all together, not just to leave them roaming around. Because if you give them that freedom to roam around, they will just go one vineyard after another one, one vineyard after another one. And um, he is an accused of brethren, because you have that leash. As you, as you try to step out or you try to do something, you just like, but remember, the leash, but remember these little foxes. And you to humble us, you know, into actually becoming what God has created us. And I just want to say also, like, 
one thing as well about the little foxes. I'll just give an example that we did give uh, sometime back uh, at uh, the men's group. Like, if you are flying, if you're a pilot, see my examples today, they're out there. But if, you, if you're a pilot and you're, you're flying to United States, right? And you know, this is the degrees from South Africa to United States. You need to fly maybe at 75 degrees, whatever uh, degrees it is. And then when you start, instead of 75, right? You just put 76. It's harmless. It's one degree different. But as you continue the journey, yes. the more so this is like 75 degrees, right? And then I just turn a little bit. I'm going to here. But I just turn a little bit, one degree. It's, it's not harmful at this moment when I'm starting in South Africa. But as I continue with that journey of missing one degree, it just becomes maybe two, yeah. Yeah. 10, yeah. Yeah. 20. And I'm not going to raise them. So that's the same exactly thing that happens with us as well. As we entertain those little foxes, as we entertain those little habits, those little things, we just deviate more and more and more and more. By the time we realize I'm no longer in America, I'm actually in maybe Sao Paulo, <laughs> somewhere else. So we need to round them up and destroy them as they are still small. But the good thing is that we have God. We have Jesus. Yes. And it always says, come to me right as you are. Yes. Right as you are. Yes. Like at this moment where you are, he doesn't accuse you. He actually loves you. He pursues you further and further. He wants to bring you in to destroy those little foxes. It's not a shameful thing. It's not an accusing thing. He doesn't condemn us, but he actually loves us. He's, he's saying to you, come, let us reason together. Let us, let us address this deviation, this one degree that you are taking. Let us address these little foxes that you are dealing with. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate. I, I won't be long. I just wanted to share this with you, but I, I'm going to be vulnerable here, so I didn't want to share it because I don't want to be vulnerable. But I just wanted to, sitting here and he, hearing these sermons before, sometimes, this, you know, this it's come in cycles. It's easy to sit in the chair and say, but I'm okay. Because sure. I'm not doing that stuff. Sure. Sure. I love God. I do what I need to do. But I just wanted to, to ex just explain something that I realized in my life that God showed me. In fact, it was the week, not, it was the Sunday bef before it was shared. The word was shared. And it was, so Sunday was a massive confirmation for me. How subtle, how subtle it can happen. How subtly things can happen. And in my own life, I have, I'm going to even use the word proud, I've been proud of the way that I have managed, I have a very busy life. I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, I am involved in the church, and I'm a, like many of us sitting here, I've got a very busy life. And I've been proud of the way that I could juggle everything and, and get, it, get stuff done. And, and you know, my, my family and my spiritual life, and I've been proud of that fact. And all of a sudden, in the last, well, it's been, it's been upcoming, but in the last few weeks, wow, has my life unraveled. Wow, have my best laid plans for um, doing things the way I've done them before, to get the results that I've been needing to get, to get the kids ready for the test and the groceries done. And the, the, yeah, so yeah, we eat and take away probably for about a week now because I haven't done grocery shopping because my life is that unraveled. Sure. It's been unbelievable. Yeah. And 
I was just, I lay on my bed, I was in preparation for worship, I was leading worship last Sunday, and I lay on the bed, and I just said, Lord, I, I don't, when, when am I going to fit in time to pray about, just to pray about what songs, let alone pick the songs, let alone practice them, let alone arrive here on Sunday, when can I even fit that into my life, and I just said, I just can't do this anymore, I can't keep going, and, I, and, and God just showed me this picture, we, we we have this little triangle that we do at school, the hierarchy of needs. I don't know if your kids have had to study that. Ugh. And it's this triangle, and at the bottom is like food and like your security and your basic needs, and then it progresses up. And we teach the kids that if you don't have the bottom one, then everything else crumbles. And enter in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. And he just showed me that triangle grew to a base and the bottom of the base is the biggest and it was that seek first and how subtly I had just pursued life just normal I wasn't in my mind doing anything sinful or anything like but how quickly my attention was okay wake up in the morning I'm going to get the supper getting there's a pack the lunches get to school get to do how quickly get home go dead you know there's no time for prayer there's no time for reading the word there's no time for anything you know, if it wasn't for my watch prayer watch group, I don't think I would have prayed in the week. It was that desperate because it's just rolling like yeah. a steam train. Yeah. And how subtly I realized how quickly my life unraveled because I didn't have my foundation. And I wasn't, and you know, for a long time you live by grace and you go, oh, well, like Sheldon said, I've got grace. You know, the Lord knows how busy I am. The Lord knows. And I, and I, and I convinced my way out of it that I'm okay, that it's okay because it's still happening. And how subtle that was. And how hard it is to make that sacrifice. How hard it is to say, I've, I've put my priorities in the wrong place. I've pursued my, my, I've pursued my own sanity. You know, I easily convince myself, I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here this morning. I have a massive deadline tomorrow at work, which I will not get to today. It's not going to happen. So I'm going to face the music tomorrow because I've made my choice. It's not to be, say that I'm proud, but I've made my choice. I seek you first, God, and you will add all those things to my life. And this is my, this is, I'm going to miss my deadline. I've already had an extension on the deadline. I'm going to miss the second one. So, so be it. I'm not worried because God is my source. God is my strength. And whatever happens, happens. But I've made my choice, but it's not easy to do. But I encourage you. I encourage you. It might not be a foxes, it might not be those things, but it might just be that you're focused on where you are pursuing, what your decision-making yes, process. Yes, yes. I'm not going to go to that prayer meeting tonight. Yes. I'm not going to go on that prayer watch this yeah. morning. I'm just so tired. It's been a hectic week. God will understand. It's not God that we have to worry about. You are going to destroy. Yes. You're going to destroy what God has. You're going to be held by that leash. Yes. You're going to let that vine get destroyed. Put God first in every decision. Make Amen. Him and your household, the decisions that you make, make it about God yes. first. Yes. And then whatever time you have left, let the other things unravel. Because He says His burden is light. And in the beginning it's difficult because you have to make choices. But, but He's with us. And He will sustain us. I'll share just an encouragement briefly. And, um, but before I do that, just to confirm, you know, some of the things you shared, 
it, I think it's Mark, the book of Mark 9.42. Jesus himself talked about becoming salt by fire. I think it's ESV. So we talk about being the salt of the world and all of that. You talked about you know, God allowing us to go through difficult times. And Jesus said, being the salt of the world, that happens by going through fire. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes, um, I think I'm digressing. Let me just stick to what I wanted to share. I want to give an example and expand on that, but I will leave that for another time, maybe, if the Lord allows. Um, what I, w- I just want to share, uh, you know, from, oh dear, it's gone, from Exodus 34, an encouragement, which maybe will speak to what you shared also. And this is the Lord himself. Exodus um, 34, verse 6, the Lord is proclaiming. The Lord, the Lord passed before him, that's Joseph, uh, Moses, and proclaimed. The Lord himself proclaimed. In other words, God introducing himself again, or explain, how do I say, um, introducing himself, or explaining who he is, another dimension of who he is. The Lord proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What was Moses' response? He bowed immediately. It says, bowed quickly, made haste, as King James would say, bow and worship. He bowed his face to the earth and he said in verse 9 If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord please let the Lord go in the midst of us for it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. This is Moses' response. We've been talking about getting ready for 40, I mean in 40 days and I won't go into that. It's, it hit me, and I think it's pertinent. Mm. I personally will be asking the Lord, what are those things? Yes. What are the little foxes in my life? Yes. I will be doing that personally. Yes. I'll encourage you to do that. Don't worry about who is doing what. No. Yeah. Or whether it's, no. is it true? What, is that yeah, yeah. real? Yeah. Don't worry about that. Worry about yourself. Yes. Mm. Worry about yourself. Yes. But what's important here, <clears throat> what I wanted to share, the Lord is saying, Again, if you go back to um, um, Exodus um, 6, that's where he introduced himself as the Lord for the first time to Moses. Now, the Lord is the same word um, when he says, I am. Yeah. Who is, who's, who, which God is this? There were many gods in Egypt. Moses was asking, which God will I say sent me? says, say, I am. <laughs> and when you think about the word, the, the name, the Lord, Yahweh, I am, it's a covenant name. And it's saying that God is superior to everything. 
He's master over all. Yes. Tangible and intangible. Yes. He is superior to time. Yes. All right? So, think about when you say God is superior over time. When somebody's dead, four days, smelling, he comes. Time means nothing. Life comes in. Okay? That's how superior, that's the Lord we are dealing with. So, get ready and God will reveal and get us into that place because he has chosen, I don't know why, he has chosen to work with us in spite of ourselves. So, what he's going to do, he's going to do with us. But we've got to be ready. Okay? And so, the Lord is saying he wants to walk in that dimension. He wants us to see him as Lord over everything. Whatever it is. Over governments, he's Lord over governments. What he said will happen. Um, if you think about weather, he speaks and he has come. He's Lord over that. Now, we talk about, um, you know, the, the attack of the enemy and all of that. It's not really a battle of two equal or nearly equal forces. Jesus is the head of principalities and powers. He created the devil. <laughs> you know that. Jesus created the devil. So they are not equal powers fighting. All right? So he is Lord. That's the perspective. That's the name he has revealed to us. He is Lord. Amen. So don't be afraid of anything. Yeah. What's the problem? Yes. What's the worst thing that could happen? I die, I die in Christ, I go to heaven. Amen. Is that a bad thing? Yes. Yes. That's right. Excellent. I should have given them more time. Sorry, maybe I didn't have enough faith in the leaders. But, uh, but that was brilliant. So brilliant to hear voices speaking over our community.